This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It is the 14th day of June 2022, Flag Day here in the United States. Uh, Glad you could spend some time with us here this morning. Uh, Lots to talk about, obviously, with the NBA Finals last night. Uh, a limited schedule in baseball, but there were still several games last night, so we'll get into all that. Um, a warm day here in the south. Uh, it is hot, uh, probably about a third of the country, especially the eastern half and the southern uh, areas. Uh, everybody's going to be over 90 degrees. It was. I got up this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was 71 degrees at 6 a.m. Humidity was brutal. Uh, we're going to be up in the mid-90s today, even here in the mountains. Uh, so it is not going to be a lot of fun. So those of you around the country, uh, just take it easy outside. I was an idiot yesterday, even in the warm weather, went outside, worked outside, and realized very quickly this was probably not a good idea. Uh, worked outside for a little while, and I just I had to stop. So uh, be careful if you have some elderly folks, uh, elderly family members that don't have air conditioning, uh, please check on them. But uh, be safe out there. It's, it's going to be a warm one here, at least on the eastern half of the country. All right, uh, NBA Finals last night. Uh, the Boston Celtics had an opportunity last night to take control of this series, and there's no other way to put it. The Celtics blew it. Look, they held Steph Curry down last night. Steph Curry uh, couldn't throw one in the ocean, right? I mean, he just was not very good last night, and it looked like the Celtics had an opportunity to take control of this series, go back to Boston with a 3-2 lead. But at one point in the first quarter, I believe the Celtics were down 24-6 to or 24-8. to They only scored 16 points in the first quarter. They were lucky they were only down 12 at half the way they had been playing. It was, it was brutal. It really was. But Steph Curry last night, after coming off a 43-point game in game four, had just 16 last night, shot 7 for 22. He was 0 for 9 from three-point range. That doesn't happen. Uh, That broke a streak of 132 straight postseason games with at least one three for Steph Curry. And and an NBA best run of 233 uh, consecutive games overall between regular season and playoffs combined. That's, you know, so you hold him to 0 for 9, well, you got to win that game. Except Andrew Wiggins had the best game of his career. 26 points, 13 rebounds. And he was the reason that 
the Warriors stayed in this game. Klay Thompson also very good last night. 21 points, shot 5 for 11 from 3. But, look, Golden State was 9 for 40 from 3-point range. Which, by the way, you know, and I understand, and I'm, I'm sounding like a get-off-my-lawn guy, but it's one of the reasons that the NBA drives me nuts these days. Everything's about the three. Golden State took 88 shots last night. 40 of them were threes. So it's half of them. Celtics, you know, a little bit better. 75 shots, 32 of them for threes. But, look, uh, again, Celtics just had opportunities last night. They kept turning the ball over. They turned it over 18 times. 18! The Warriors turned it over just six times all night. You know, and look, I know Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, great players, but look, uh, Jason Tatum got off to an absolutely awful start, ended up with 27 points, 10 rebounds, um, but he turned the ball over four times, a couple of bad passes. Jalen Brown, five turnovers by himself. Marcus Smart, look, I know Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year. Everybody loves Marcus Smart, but Marcus Smart, you know, whines too much, got himself a technical foul last night, got himself uh, flustered last night. You know, that's one of the other things that I noticed in the game last night. Something that's become common in the NBA now is flopping. You know, and there were a couple of calls last night against Marcus Smart where he had a beef, where one of them was an out-and-out flop. There was another one. Uh, where the uh, the guy he was defending had his arm wrapped up and wouldn't let him go, had it like tucked underneath his arm, and really was the one creating the problem. And Marcus Smart got caught for the foul. You know, I, I think officiating in the NBA as a whole is crap anyway. But having said that, um, Marcus Smart's got to keep his cool. But this was an opportunity for the Celtics last night, and now they find themselves down three-two. Game six is in Boston. Would it shock me if they lost this game in Boston? No. You know, you just, you know, as Dan Shaughnessy said in the Boston Globe this morning, it's not over. But, man, it felt like it after that game last night. The way that game started, oh, my Lord. And, by the way, it's the first time the Celtics have lost consecutive games in the playoffs this year. You know, so I guess odds are that they bounce back. But Draymond Green put this very perfectly, and this is, if you're a Celtics fan, and you're the Celtics themselves, you have to be worried about this. Steph Curry stunk last night, right? 0 for 9 from 3. Draymond Green said the following, he's going to be livid going into game 6, and that's exactly what we need. And he's not wrong, right? If you're the Celtics, you've got to be scared to death that Steph Curry is going to come out and throw up 50 in game six. And the thing with Curry is, and is, you know, he was bad last night, and, and I don't even know that you can say it was great defense by the Celtics. He just was off. The thing about Curry that's amazing is that it doesn't matter if anybody's on him, and he doesn't care where he is on the court. He's just going to shoot the basketball, and more often than not, he makes it. So, again, a golden opportunity for Boston last night. That's a tough loss. Very tough loss. And, you know, Jason Tatum bounced back, but he got off to a bad start. Look, the Celtics rallied, right? They ended up taking a lead in the third quarter. They had a great third quarter, put up 35 points in the third. 
midway through the third quarter, they had a three-point lead. But the problem is, is that they had dug themselves such a hole, and I think they it's one of the, you see that a lot in, in basketball. You use up so much juice getting yourself back in that game that I think when the fourth quarter came, the Celtics were out of gas. And why were they out of gas? Because their bench was awful. Now, they didn't get a lot of bench minutes. They also didn't get a lot of bench points. When you look at this, the Celtics had a grand total of 10 points off the bench. Derek White played 21 minutes off the bench, had one point in 21 minutes. Grant Williams played 16 minutes off the bench, had three points. These guys were non-factors. You have got to get some production from your bench if the Celtics, if you're the Celtics. Look at the Warriors last night. Jordan Poole, 14 minutes off the bench in 14 minutes. Gary Payton, the second, 26 minutes, 15 points off the bench. If you're the Celtics, you have got to get something off the bench. You've got to be able to take some of the pressure off of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those two guys played 44 of the 48 minutes in that game last night. Marcus Smart played 40 minutes last night. Why? Because the bench was awful. They were two for 12. They only took 12 shots off the bench. Two for 12. It was pathetic. And I know that they are a starting lineup loaded team, but they have had games. You know, Derek White has chipped in some big points. Peyton Pritchard's had some big shots. You know, Grant Williams has had some big times off the bench. They didn't, they were just brutal. So it's not over. But, man, the Celtics are on life support. You know, I I think they can win game six in Boston, but I don't have a lot of confidence about them going out there and winning game seven in Golden State. And, again, would it shock me if they lost in game six? No, because if if, (laughs) Draymond Green may exactly be right. If Steph Curry is livid, God help the Celtics. And he may come out with those purple sneakers on, by the way. I guess he's like, you know, uh, I didn't realize this, but I guess when he wears his, those purple sneakers, he's like unconscious. It was so bad last night. He didn't start with the purple sneakers on. He changed them at halftime. And he did have a little bit better of a second half. He still couldn't buy a three. But, uh, you know, if he's livid and he's hot, this could be over in six. So we'll see. Um, before we get to Major League Baseball from last night, we talked yesterday for a while about the LIV Golf Tour, uh, the, the guys leaving the tournament, uh, the PGA Tour, or being suspended or resigning, depending on who you were. Uh, but uh, Phil Mickelson had a press conference for about a half an hour yesterday uh, prior to the U.S. Open. And again, he can play in the U.S. Open because it is not sp- it's not run by the PGA Tour. It is run by the U.S. Golf Association. And at least for now... Uh, the guys that have qualified, even if they're not on the PGA Tour, uh, can play in the U.S. Open. So Phil Mickelson's there. And Mickelson said yesterday that he has not given up hope that he will be able to play on the PGA Tour again. Now, what he said yesterday is he said he believes that it should be his decision. 
And I'm sorry, Phil, but it's not. You know, and he, he went. He said, "Look, I've worked hard to earn a lifetime membership. I've worked hard to give back to the PGA and a game of golf throughout my 30 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever." He said, "I've earned it, so it should be my choice." No, you gave up that choice when you decided to take the money from a rival tour, at where the money was coming from a bunch of thugs in Saudi Arabia. That that the, the crown prince. Uh, who is putting up this money, his hedge fund is putting up the money, ordered the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. And let's also remember, by the way, that 15 of the 19 hijackers on 9-11 were Saudi Arabian citizens. So those are the people that Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed are taking money from. So no, I'm sorry, it's not your decision. And this is a tour, by the way, that is planning on playing in the United States and trying to compete with the PGA Tour on, on, any, on, on a given weekend. So I'm sorry. You no longer have that choice. Uh, you know, this is the same guy, by the way, who talked about the greed of the PGA Tour. Right. One of the reasons why he wanted to go to this LIV is all about the greed of the PGA Tour. By the way, when he had that press conference to, and, and he talked about that, it was while he was uh, uh, appearing overseas and accepting a huge appearance fee, like you know, millions of dollars to go play overseas. Uh, but he was talking about the P, the greed of the PGA Tour, uh, and this is the, this this is the same group of guys that are talking about the the PGA Tour being greedy, and yet they're going to go play in these things where the prize money is two or three times as much as they would get for winning a tournament in the United States. But it's no, it's not about greed. It's not about the money. No, it's the same kind of guy that'll you know be peeing on your on your uh, boots and telling you it's a rainstorm. So, and it's hard for me because, as I said yesterday, I've always been a big Phil Mickelson fan. So it pains me that this is where we're at. But so, no, I'm sorry, Phil. It's not your choice at all. Uh, one more note before we get to uh, uh, Major League Baseball: the Yukon uh, men's uh, or yeah, men's baseball. There isn't a women's baseball team. So the Yukon baseball team uh, yesterday lost to Stanford in uh, Game Three of the uh, Super Regional. They lose 10-5, so Stanford returns to the College World Series. They are the number two national seed, 47-16. and 16. UConn finishes out its season, 50-16. and 16. Uh, The big blow in the game, Cody Huff, uh, he was 3-4, but he had a grand slam in a six-run fourth inning. UConn jumped out to a 3-0 lead in the first inning, but the pitching just let him down. Um, and uh, so that is going to be it for UConn. They will head home, but uh, they have nothing to be ashamed of. 50 wins, the first time a team in the Northeast, uh, a college team, has ever won 50 games uh, in a a college baseball season. So uh, congratulations to UConn for a great season. You know, and after winning game one, there were some hopes that they might uh, find their way back. They haven't been in the College World Series in a long, long time, so it would have been nice. Um, uh, but a, uh, a good win for Stanford is the, the bats are just, they're just, I mean, they just clubbed UConn. Even in the game that Stanford lost, UConn had, what, a, a 13-6 lead in the ninth inning and had to hang on 13-12. Stanford just mashes the ball, just absolutely crushes the ball. So, all right, on to Major League Baseball last night. Red Sox, Yankees, uh, both off last night. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays were off as well. Uh, so most of the American League East was off. The only team that did play last night out of the American League East, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. 
well, actually two teams, the Blue Jays, played the Orioles. Um, and uh, the Blue Jays, <laughs> as you might expect, beat the Orioles easily 11-1. to uh, But the story of this really is the continued dominance of Alec Manoa, the young pitcher for the uh, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Look, this kid is amazing. Uh, he went six scoreless innings yesterday. He's now pitched 12 straight scoreless innings. Uh, lowered his season ERA to 1.67. He is 8-1. and one. That ties uh, Justin Verlander for the Major League lead in victory. Struck out seven, walked one, only gave up one hit in six innings. Alec Manoa has made 32 career starts. And in those 32 career starts, the Toronto Blue Jays are 25-7. and seven. And if he starts at home, forget it. Uh, which he did last night. He's 10-0 and 0 with an ERA of 1.99 in the Rogers Center up in Toronto. This kid is uh, is something else. Uh, Vlad Jr. hit his uh, 15th home run of the season last night. Uh, that was really all that uh, they would need. Uh, but uh, they, uh, they just piled it on. A seven-run fifth inning, the difference in this one for the Blue Jays. George Springer, a couple of hits. Uh, two hits for uh, Bo Bichette. Uh, Vlad Jr., in addition to his home run, also had two other hits. He was three for five, uh, having another strong season. Uh, and, and the young kid, uh, uh, Espinal, three hits last night. Santiago Espinal for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, three runs batted in. He's hitting 290 on the season. I mean, they just had, they had 19 hits last night, season high. Just beat the crap out of the Orioles 11-1. And again, you know, you see stuff like this, and then you, you just look at the Red Sox and you go, how is it that, that the Orioles, you know, beat you a few times? <laughs> how did that happen? Uh, so they will face off again today. Jordan Lyles, 3-5 and five with a 4.97 ERA. will take on Yusei Kikuchi, who is 2-2 two and two, uh, with a 4.44 ERA since coming over uh, from the Seattle Mariners. He has not been great. Uh, but he has pitched better of late. He got roughed up a little bit uh, early in the season. Um, another team that is uh, red hot right now. And by the way, with that uh, with that victory yesterday, Toronto now uh, eight games behind the New York Yankees. Yeah, I think about that. I mean, the Yankees have been so forty four and sixteen. But Toronto has been great, right? They're they've won sixty percent of their games, and they're still eight games back. Uh, but they are a game ahead of Tampa Bay and uh, four and a half ahead of the Red Sox for second place in the American League East. Uh, other American League East news from yesterday. Uh, Josh Donaldson uh, from the uh, uh, New York Yankees. If you remember, he got suspended for a game after making some remarks to Tim Anderson the shortstop from the Chicago White Sox, uh, constantly calling him uh, Jackie and uh, kind of making fun of him because at one point, uh, if you remember, uh, in a Sports Illustrated article back a couple of years ago, uh, Anderson, who you know, who's black, I mean, but was quoted as saying that he, he kind of felt like today's Jackie Robinson because he was changing the game. And, you know... It's kind of, uh, I guess, egotistical to compare yourself to Jackie Robinson because what Jackie Robinson did by breaking the color barrier and putting up with the abuse 
that he had to put up with by breaking the color barrier, uh, I, you know, is is very uh, uh, egotistical. Because look, it, you know, uh, so Anderson says, well, it's because you know he changed the game. And I'm like, I'm getting to a point where I need to change the game. This is one of the guys that has been all about talking about, hey, you know, we need to be able to show our personalities. We need to, you know, it's a different game. We need to be able to, to celebrate and, you know, uh, pimp our home runs or do whatever it is we want to do. Uh, so he, fit, you know, so I guess he felt that because, you know, he's making these, uh, uh, these courageous moves by playing and showing his personality, that puts him in the same league as Jackie Robinson, which is ridiculous. But that's number one. But number two, Josh Donaldson's flat out wrong. And Josh Donaldson can say everything that he wants. But when he is calling Tim Anderson Jackie, I don't care what anybody says, he's being racist. Josh Donaldson, 37-year-old white guy, talking to a young black kid, and making fun of him and calling him Jackie Robinson. And, you know, Josh Donaldson said he was that he's joked around with Anderson in the past about it. And by the way, uh, Anderson said, no, he hasn't. You know, and Donaldson realized what a PR nightmare this was. So, he, you know, he apologized to Anderson. He apologized to the Robinson family. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, came out and said, well, I think everybody wanted to have a say, but they don't know my heart. You know, I do feel bad that the Robinson family, I never wanted to feel their name, should ever be regarded in a bad light, so that's why I issued the apology. Look, at the end of the day, you were making fun of a black kid because he was comparing himself to a black icon. Now, whether Anderson should have done that or not, and as I just said, I don't believe that he should have. I think he was way over the top by doing that. If you are a 37-year-old white guy talking to a young black kid, Shut the hell up. Don't talk to him about stupid stuff like that. If you want to say, hey, nice hit, or Jesus, you're having a hell of a season, or something like that, that's fine. But you don't want to go there. Not in 2020. Well, not not at all. But in 2022, or, you know, in the last, you know, several years, you don't want to go there. How many times do we have to continue to have examples of athletes opening mouth, inserting foot, by saying, tweeting, writing stupid-ass things. So Major League Baseball upheld his one-game suspension. He had he had appealed it, and he had been fined ten grand. They did cut the fine in half, but yippee. Uh, and look, you know, you can make the case that perhaps it warranted more than one game, and he's lucky he only want, he only got one game, and he should be happy and 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 ride off into the sunset. I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, Tommy Pham got got three games for slapping a guy, Jock Peterson, over fantasy football. And you can make the case that what Josh Donaldson did with Tim Anderson was more was more heinous than Tommy Pham getting pissed with a guy over fantasy football. But, you know, anyway, so he will serve his suspension uh, tonight, so he will not play in the series opener that the Yankees have tonight uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, other news out of the AL East: Chris Sale through live batting practice. This is where we're at, by the way, with Boston folks. I mean, in, in, you know, you, I don't think you're going to hear this in Pittsburgh or in you know Kansas City or or somewhere else. But you know, everything. If somebody uh, if somebody breathes in Boston, 
it's big news. But you can make the case that if you are a Red Sox fan or you are a fan of baseball and you're watching what's going to happen with the playoff race, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, Sale pitched live batting practice yesterday uh, in Fort Myers. And he looked really good uh, to the point where uh, he was throwing the ball 96 miles an hour. So he had uh, he had the gas, uh, you know, and this was, you know, this isn't Tommy John surgery. I mean, he, you know, we're past we're well past that. This was coming off the stress fracture in his rib cage on the right side. Uh, and he did that pitching to college hitters in February. So that's how long this guy's been out. Um, we still don't know an exact timetable for his return, but he is going to throw another series to hitters later this week, and we could see rehab starts after that. Look, we could have Chris Sale back by July 1. Now, the Red Sox have a series coming up at the end of the month in Toronto, so they're not going to activate him before that. He's not vaccinated. Unless he's gotten vaccinated in the last few weeks, and we don't know it, he's not vaccinated. So the Red Sox are not going to activate him. I don't care how good he looks until after that Toronto series. So they don't have to worry about the PR nightmare and answering the questions about how come Chris Sale, who's making $30 million a year, uh, isn't with his teammates in Toronto. So, uh, But he looked good. you know. And look, this is a guy that the Red Sox owe – $30 million this year and another $75 million through 2025, right? He's there for the long run, so they need this guy to be healthy. They need to, to you know, get him back to form. And whether they use, decide to use him out of the bullpen, whether they decide to use him in the starting rotation, whatever it is, they need to get him back on the mound, especially with the injuries to Evaldi, the injuries that they've got right now to, uh, uh, to Garrett Whitlock, and James Paxton coming back. Look, they've got a chance to make a run. Are they going to catch the Yankees? I highly doubt it. 12 back. Uh, it's not impossible. Look, we saw the Red Sox years ago, you know, blow a 14-game lead and have the Yankees catch them. So anything's possible. Uh, but I wouldn't be betting the ranch on that one. So anyway, positive news out of Boston. And, uh, you know, the, the writers at the Boston Globe and the Boston Herald are, are practically wetting themselves with excitement. It's 32 minutes past the hour. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Tuesday morning. Um, Some news came down. I'm going to get into this more tomorrow, I think. And we're going to try to get Dan Zampano on later in the week. Uh, I meant to bring this up at the top of the show. Uh, there are reports that there are two more lawsuits getting ready to be filed against Deshaun Watson, uh, the now Cleveland Browns uh, starting quarterback, uh, which would bring the number to 26. Now, these are not criminal complaints. They are civil lawsuits. Um, but the question I have is, as this goes on, and, and this is going to uh, obviously take some time to, to get resolved, what is going to happen to the Cleveland Browns? Um, I want to get, uh, we're going to get Dan on, I think. Uh, I'm going to try to get him on on Friday. But, you know, we're at a situation, if you're Cleveland, you traded five draft picks, including three first-rounders, to the Houston Texans for this guy. You've completely blown up your relationship with your previous starting quarterback, Baker Mayfield, 
And now with these lawsuits, what happens? What happens if Roger Goodell steps in prior to the start of this season and says, look, until these lawsuits are resolved or until I d- I've decided that this is, you know, uh, resolved to my satisfaction, what, is, what are the Cleveland Browns going to do? Does that mean they have to try to hang on to Baker Mayfield just in case? I mean, what a mess. You've, you've basically mortgaged your future to get Deshaun Watson, a guy that you knew had baggage would be an understatement. You had a 747 uh, worth of baggage sitting on top of this guy, and yet you made the decision to trade for him. And and it things are not quieting down. There seems to be something new about Deshaun Watson uh, in the press damn near every day. So what the hell do you do? You know, and if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you got to be livid. Look, you might be mad at the way, you know, you might not be happy with the way Baker Mayfield has played. And, look, I, you know, I'm tired of seeing Baker Mayfield with the, the commercials and, and all that. But, you know, I will say this about Baker Mayfield. Is he the greatest quarterback in the history of quarterbacks? Of course not. But you know what? This is a guy that went out there and tried to play hurt. This was a guy that you can't, to me, you can't question the, the uh, Baker Mayfield's uh, grit and, and desire to play. It's a guy who had some, you know, a screwed up shoulder, and he was out there, you know, getting the crap beat out of him, and still trying to play. Maybe it wasn't the best thing. Maybe the Cleveland would have been better with a backup uh, when you've got your starter that's hurt that badly. But you can't deny the guy wants to play. But you mortgage your future because you decided he wasn't going to be the guy, and Deshaun Watson was a better option. <laughs> so I just wonder. You know, and if you're Roger Goodell, you got to be sitting in your office going, oh, my God, what the hell am I going to do? And, I mean, it was a little easier when he was in Houston, and Houston stinks, and nobody cares, and he's just sitting there. And, you know, but now that the criminal stuff has gone and it's just about civil lawsuits, you know, what do you do? Do you let that play out? So uh, we're going to try to get Dan on here. If not this week, we'll try to get him on next week um, and and, and talk about that because it seems like – uh, it is going to be a mess in Cleveland. I mean, we knew that that was a good possibility when this whole thing went down, but uh, it, this just seems to be getting worse instead of better. So, all right, let's get back uh, to Major League Baseball uh, news from yesterday. The uh, Atlanta Braves stay white hot. They won their 12th game in a row last night. 12 in a row. You know, I mean, it, what's amazing about this is the New York Mets – are 40 and 22. And they now, now they still have a five game lead over the, this Braves team. But you know what? Two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago, it was nine and a half. Now it's five. You know, so if you're the Mets, your margin for error has disappeared because Atlanta has woken up. Now, they win yesterday. They beat the Washington Nationals nine to five. Look, it's the Washington Nationals. So you can't get, you can't get too excited about who you beat. However, uh, 12 in a row, I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing the Little Sisters or the Poor. 12 in a row is impressive. And, I'm, and, and as I have said, look, when you, th- when you look at this objectively, this Braves team has more talent on it right now than it had last year when it won the World Series. Now, how can I say that? 
Well, the team that went to the World Series last year didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr. because he was hurt. Uh, Matt Olson's come over there. Now, is he hitting at Freddie Freeman's uh, clip at the plate? No. But he's a better first baseman, and he's still hitting 250, and he's going to hit better than that, and he's going and he's got some pop. Uh, Travis Darno is having a great season. They did not have Marcel Ozuna last year, a guy that now they can now put in at the designated hitter spot. Right? And Ozuna's already got 11 bombs this year. You didn't have him on the team last year. Uh, Austin Riley, better player. Dansby Swanson uh, came into his own the last year or two. He is playing even better this year. He drove in four runs yesterday. Uh, So this team, to me, is better than the team they had last year. Uh, That young pitching staff, those guys are getting better. Now, Ian Anderson didn't pitch great yesterday. They won the game, but Ian Anderson was staked to a big lead. They couldn't hold it. He only lasted four innings because he gave up four runs, six hits, and he walked four guys. But the bullpen did a great job. Uh, So this team's loaded. Now, they got some bad news yesterday. Ozzie Albies broke his foot in this game. Uh, it was weird. It happened like in the fifth inning and it was just, he planted to run out of the batter's box on a ground out to short and whatever he did, uh, you know, kind of, I guess you could go, maybe it's a, st- a stress fracture or whatever. He, he broke his foot just turning to run to first base. So, uh, he's going to be out for a little while. You know, I mean, they could lose him for a month with this. And Ozzie Albies is a pain in the ass. <laughs> he, you know, look, he's only hitting 244, but this is a guy, uh, he's a very good second baseman. He runs the bases well. Uh, this is a guy that we were, when I was there um, uh, watching the Red Sox game, uh, Ozzie Albies, even though the, the Braves lost that game, he was in the middle of everything. So a very, very good player. Now the good news for them is Orlando Arcia, um who came off the bench when Albies got hurt. Uh, Arcia is one of those guys that doesn't play every day, but every time they put him in the lineup, uh, he seems to perform. I mean, he's only got 48 at-bats this year because he's basically a role player, you know, and he, and, and he plays on a day when they want to give somebody a day off. But in that short span, he's hitting 313. So every time he plays... Uh, he produces, so now he's going to have an opportunity probably for the next month uh, to play second base on a regular basis. So that's that's the that's the tough news, but uh, the Braves just stay hot. Uh, and they've got the Nationals again today, and Max Fried, who's been great, 6-2 uh, and two with a 6-4 uh, ERA, uh, will face a rookie. Oh, boy. Uh, Jackson Tatro, who was just called up from AAA Rochester, is going to make his Major League debut uh, today for the Washington Nationals. And before you get too excited, if you're a Nationals fan, uh, with the Rochester Red Wings, he made 12 starts. He wasn't exactly tearing up AAA. Uh, he's 5-3, and three, but he's got an ERA of like 4.2. So, you know, they didn't call up uh, a guy that uh, was putting up ridiculous numbers down there. Uh, and if you are the Washington Nationals, not only did you lose the game yesterday, but you just found out that Steven Strasburg, who you just got back, is now going back on the injured list. Made one start. He had that thoracic outlet syndrome surgery last summer. He's 33 years old. He made uh, a start the other night. Was not good. 
and then he threw a bullpen on Saturday and was sore, wasn't feeling good. It didn't go away. They had him uh, get an MRI. They haven't gotten the results back yet, but they've decided to put him on the injured list. This is a guy, by the way, who was, look, he was the World Series MVP in 2019, right? Uh, and after that World Series championship, he signed a seven-year deal for $245 million. So this is a guy making $30 million a year. But since he signed that contract, he's made eight starts. Eight starts. One and four with a 6.89 ERA. This is a guy who uh, obviously, you know, coming into Major League Baseball, had a lot of talent. Uh, he's got 113 with I mean, he's 113 and 62 in his career with an ERA of th- a little over three. But there has been no cases of a guy having this surgery, this this thoracic outlet syndrome, and having surgery for it and having success in coming back for, from it. We might be looking at a guy who at 33 years of age might be done. You know, I don't want to be overly dramatic with this, but when you've made a grand total of eight starts in the last two and a half years, uh, it doesn't look good, to say the least. And that would be a, you know, look, for a Washington Nationals team that doesn't have much to hang its hat on, and, uh, you know, since the 2019 season, they have unloaded everybody. They've got some great young talent, obviously, with uh, with Juan Soto and, and guys like that. You know, but pitching's the problem. You know, Patrick Corbin hasn't been what they had hoped he would be. You know, they expected Strasburg to be a big part of that. They traded away uh, Max Scherzer, you know, so... You know, without a guy like Strasburg, you know, it's, it's going to make it that much tougher for this team to rebound and, and to, to be able to build on anything. It could be a, a few more years of pain for Washington Nationals fans. And it was, I was thinking about this, it, you know, it's kind of hearkening back to the old days when the Washington Senators were there, uh, you know, and it was always like, you know, they were one of the worst teams in the American League, right? I mean, it's just a... And right now, the way this franchise is going, there's not a lot. Juan Soto can't win it by himself. Ask Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in Anaheim. Right? It takes more than, than one or two guys. and uh, But they need Steven Strasburg to be a piece of that, and it is becoming increasingly likely that that is not going to be the case. It's 46 minutes past the hour. got to take a break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call. It's a little slow in the switch there. I apologize. Uh, a few more games to get to before we get out of here uh, this morning. Uh, the Texas Rangers, a little bit hot right now. They win yesterday. They beat the Houston Astros, the leaders of the American League West. They beat them 5-3. to three. Um, Not a bad, look, you know, not a bad game by Houston. And if you're Houston, you're kind of scratching your heads about how you lost this game. Uh, Texas came up with three runs in the bottom of the eighth. And I don't think if you hit all three balls, totaled all three balls together, one of them reaches the fence. Honest to God. I mean, it was one of those things where, you know, uh, just little dinks and dunks and a couple of stolen bases. It it was the ultimate small ball kind of uh, inning for Texas, and they win the game 5-3 to three, uh, with that three-run eighth inning. Um, and uh, 
have now won three in a row. They sit in second place in the National League West. Now, granted, uh, that second place is still two games under five hundred, and they're seven and a half back. Uh, but uh, they still are in a position right now to at least, you know, make the uh, make the Houston Astros think about it. They have dropped the Angels into third place in the Western Division. Uh, again, as of right now, if the playoffs were to start today. All three wildcard teams are coming out of the American League East. Not a huge surprise, uh, really. The only team that uh, in contention for a wild card as of right now, but we're not even halfway through the season, so we can't get too excited. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians. I still have trouble with the Guardians, uh, but they are the only team not in first place uh, outside of the American League East to be over five hundred. So the Chicago White Sox may be starting to pick it up a little bit. Uh, but uh, the Astros lose yesterday. Texas now firmly in second place. The San Diego Padres win yesterday. They beat the Chicago Cubs 4-1. to one. Uh, The notable thing in this game is you Darvish. Uh, Darvish's first game back in Chicago since they traded him to the Padres as part of a uh, seven-player trade back in December of 2020. Darvish goes eight innings. Five hits, one run, struck out seven, didn't walk anybody. Picks up his sixth win of the season. Taylor Rogers picks up his 19th save for the Padres. Uh, Manny Machado, uh, a, uh, a big RBI in this one. Uh, Jake Cronenworth had three hits, and the Padres win this one 4-1. Uh, to one. Hugh Darvish, by the way, has now beaten every team in the major leagues except for the Orioles, and the Texas Rangers. Uh, he, he's faced the Rangers once, but he got a no decision in one start against them. Uh, but so the Re- Orioles and the Rangers are the only two teams left on his scoreboard uh, that he has not beaten in Major League Baseball. It's pretty impressive. Uh, they play again today. Sean Manaya will get the start. He's 3-3 three and three with a 3-5-2 ERA. Kyle Hendricks. Uh, off to a rough start, two and five with a five-two-two ERA. Will get the start for Chicago. Chicago has now lost seven straight games, and I know that David Ross is beloved in Chicago. But when you see teams, you know, jettisoning managers, uh, you wonder if he is going to be okay there. Now, the only thing that may save him is I don't believe anybody, including Cubs fans, even the most diehard Cubs fans, really thought this team had a chance to compete this year. But right now they are 14 games under 500, And I don't know how well that is going to sit. As much as people love David Ross, I don't know how long uh, that is going to play uh, in the city of Chicago, but uh, we'll see. Uh, the Minnesota Twins win again yesterday. They beat the Seattle Mariners 3-2. to two. Uh, Byron Buxton, his 18th home run of the season. Byron Buxton, guy putting himself uh, uh, in a position where he's one of the best power hitters right now in the American League. Not hitting for average. He did have a couple of hits yesterday. He's only hitting .236. Uh, but uh, his 18th home run of the season. Chris Archer made the start for the Minnesota Twins. Now, Chris Archer is a guy that everybody's forgotten about. Uh, he has had so many injuries uh, in his career uh, between 2019 and 2021. He hasn't gone more than five innings in a game this season. He only he only went four innings yesterday through 67 pitches. But in those four innings, 
he was good. I mean, he didn't give up. He gave up one unearned run. Struck out three, walked two. Um, and in his uh, appearances this year, again, he's, he's made 12 starts. In those 12 starts, he's only thrown 48 innings. But he's pitched to a 3-3-5 ERA. You know, I'm sure at some point during this season, they will try to stretch him out a little bit. But with as fragile as he has been the last few years, this is kind of like, you know, you're kind of going along with the uh, uh, Steven Strasburg idea, other than Chris Archer isn't making that kind of money. Uh, Archer's 33 years old now, so they're going to be very, very careful with him. But uh, he seems to have resurrected his career, perhaps. But uh, the story of this game really is he goes to first four, but then six relievers allow just two hits for Minnesota over the next six innings. Or five innings, I'm sorry. Two hits and one earned run, uh, and they win this one. Chris Flexen takes the loss for Seattle. He drops to 2-8 and eight on the season. The Mariners now seven games under 500. That magic that they had last year <coughs> excuse me, seems to uh, have abandoned them. Uh, a couple other quick notes. Uh, the Phillies win. They beat the Marlins 3-2. to two. Uh, the Phillies have now won 10 of the last 11 games, making it look like the decision to fire Joe Girardi was a good one. Uh, you know, the thing, the funny part is, is they could have done this with Girardi there, but, uh, uh, but they have, you know, gone from being a team that was, uh, uh, out of it to being now one game over 500. Now they're still eight and a half back, uh, of the New York Mets in the NL East, but they sit in third place. Uh, they find themselves in a position where at least they're in the conversation for the wild card. Uh, they've still got to chase down the San Francisco Giants, who right now hold that last wild card spot. But uh, long way to go. But the Philadelphia Phillies uh, win the, with the win yesterday. Uh, Aaron Nola got the start for the Phillies and was really good. Seven innings, six hits, just two runs. Uh, didn't get the winner sir, uh, win. Sir Anthony Dominguez does that. He picks up his fourth win of the season. Uh, but it was Reese Hoskins with a walk-off double. The first time in his career, he played 571 games, over 2,000 at-bats, had never had a walk-off hit. And uh, he does it yesterday for the first time, uh, one of his two hits in the game. And the Phillies beat the Marlins 3-2. to two. Uh, The Royals lose to the Giants 6-2. Uh, Alex Wood. His first win in over a month, so that's a big one as the Giants continue to try to chase down the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Reds and the Diamondbacks, the Reds beat the D-backs 5-4 uh, yesterday. And uh, the Cardinals win. They beat the Pirates 7-5 and the Chicago White Sox over the Tigers uh, 9-5. A couple of home runs in that game by Jose Abreu. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning. Little Zach Brown Band. How about make this day? Have a great one, folks. See you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.